God is in me, and his forte is everything. Wonderful. And what you find is that God can always put on a different hat. Right, and be all things that are needed whenever they're needed. It's a magnificent thing when your mind is just filled with the strength of God. Right? For so long, we, we think about we don't have any ability. We don't have any ability. I don't have any ability. I don't have any ability. And it's fine to think like that, but the idea isn't for your mind to be filled with no ability. The idea is for your mind not to think of your ability when you see ability is needed. The idea is for your mind to be filled with the ability of God whenever you see that something is needed. And, and you tap into that because there's strength for you in that. There's grace for you in that. There's abundance for that. And there's like an overflow of life. There is a superabounding of grace that will superabound over whatever sin, whatever depth, whatever corruption, whatever crookedness that we see anywhere in the world, anywhere in our life, anywhere in the people we encounter. Right? So, yeah, we, we hammer that within ourselves we have no ability. But the idea isn't to walk around and think, I don't have any ability. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you would stop thinking of your own ability long enough so that your mind can be filled with the ability of God. And then you start thinking, well, what ability does God have? Well, this guy can even make dead bones live. This guy can even take bones that were going to be turned to dust and glorify them with immortality and put a body on them, right? And you walk around thinking of that ability, right? When Jesus pulled the, the coin out of the fish, he wasn't busy thinking, I can pull a coin out of a fish. He was busy thinking that within the Father is all things. And that's what his mind was thinking of. When he would heal people's blindness, he wasn't thinking, I can heal people's blindness. He was thinking, in the Father is a life that heals people's blindness, that calls people out of the darkness. I am the light that came out of the Father when he said, let there be light. And that light superabounds over the darkness. So his mind was filled with that. We've come at it fast afterwards, right? where we say we can do these things, and so we should do these things. And we don't understand what was in Jesus' mind as he was walking around doing these things, right? And we preached the end are the fruit and not the root, right? And because we're the God kind, because we're the image of God, we brought some things forth. And we felt real happy about that, right? As if that was now the evidence that we're the children of God, Mm. right? But now it's like, The root is being restored so that our lives can be planted in that. And we can walk around taking no thought of our own strength, but not walking around feeling full of weakness. Right? That's not the point. The point is that for you to be filled with the strength of the living God. And the way that you are is that you're filled with that by seeing it. Right? Sorry, Thomas. Did you want to jump in? Oh, I was just going to say, even when it comes to sharing the gospel, most people think, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know enough. It's not about the, whether you know enough. It's, it's who you know. That's right. And I asked these little kids one time in a little Bible, a little Sunday school class, who's got a, a pet they really like? And most of them raise their hands. And, and I said, well, I picked one. I said, what do you have? Tell us about your little pet. And this little kid went on and on, the puppy, the name, the breed, the, the tricks, the sleeps, everything. Said, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Did, did you prepare that? Did you come in here to prepare? Did, no. I just talked about this little puppy that he loved. That's all he did. It's the same thing. In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, I don't, I don't know enough to share the gospel. Yeah, just don't think about sharing the gospel. Just let be open to an overflow. That's right. Right. Jesus never saw lack. He always saw abundance. Because he was never thinking of his own ability, but he was thinking of an ability. He was thinking of the Father's ability. 
And he was thinking of the life that's in the Father that he shared with the Father from the beginning. And he was thinking about what that life does. And he was thinking about that life, what it manifested when it was released in Genesis. And so he walked around very cognizant that there is strength, right? Even though there was weakness in the mortal body, that even though there was death in that mortal body he was clothed in, he was mindful of the strength that was in God's life. And he walked around seeing that strength. He walked around drawing on that strength, essentially declaring that strength is what he walked around doing. He walked around declaring the strength, right? But Glory to God. That's what it says in Acts when they describe the, the scribe, when they describe preaching the gospel in Acts. It says they preach Christ. Well, that's preaching the strength of God. That's it. That's preaching the love of God. That's preaching God. Yeah. That's what they preach. They didn't pre preach uh, purpose-driven life. <laughs> The uh, the building campaign, <laughs> the you know fill in the blank. What's that? How to win friends and influence neighbors. <laughs> How to win friends and influence neighbors. Listen, man, when when God calls forth light in you, you'll just be walking around, and people will see the light. They'll think, what's wrong with that person, right? Like we've been talking about. Like I talked about. I don't know where I talk about it. I talk about these things so much. But it's like the way that the church is the light of the world is that the church is filled with hope in the midst of hopelessness. That'd so the world is filled with hopelessness. That'd be a great logo for the church, a person with a light coming out of their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I did a, a, a art with the chest, the light coming out of the chest, and it says, let there be light. But that's how the church is the light. It's not by the good deeds you can do, although you might do some good deeds. You might be benevolent. You might feel generous and do some generous things. Right? But benevolence and philanthropy is not the light of the world. I mean, Bill Gates does a lot of philanthropy. He's not the light of the world. And he's not shining like a light in the midst of the world. And so the way the church is the light is the church is like Abraham, who when it was contrary to hope, he believed in hope. When it looked completely hopeless for him to be the father of many nations, for him to be exceedingly fruitful because of the death that was in his body and the death in Sarah's womb, he was filled with hope, even though everything that looked around him looked like it was contrary to having hope. That's how the church is supposed to be. That's how you shine like a light. We gave, we gave somebody uh, a, a bunch of CDs. Maybe it was three years later. And we saw them and we had, so... Did you? Yeah, I listened to him. I said, what blew your hair back? They said, that I lack. I said, really? Yeah, I, I almost feel like I've been lied to. You know? And it makes me think of this, that we have a reality, and it's a tree of life. And few know it. Yeah. And, and But we live in the reality of the good and evil, what the world gives us, oh yeah, this is this sounds right, but it isn't right. Yeah. It brings death. Yeah. So I love the reality of that's our reality. So the question, I mean, isn't the the question, why am I here? That's why. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we even we even judge the gospel by the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't realize it, right? What's up, man? How you doing? How are you? This is Randy, guys. Welcome, <laughs> Randy. Randy's all the way from San Antonio. Oh, am I right? Am I right? Austin, right next. Austin, to, okay. Right next to Ray <laughs> all right. So he found us through Ray. Ray Vila. Oh, okay. oh, oh, Ray Vila. Yeah. 
Ray is in San Antonio, right next yeah. to Austin. You're in Austin? I'm in Austin. My daughter just moved there a week ago. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and were you in, in his youth? Yeah, he was my youth pastor. Oh, okay. Wow. Glory to God. You guys remember Ray and yeah. Amy? They were here not too long ago. Yeah, glory to God. Um, even with things like dominion, right? I mean, the church for so long has preached dominion, never understanding what dominion was, right? Never understanding what authority actually was. Never understanding what it even looked like. I mean, you read in Genesis where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth, right? And we, we get so lifted up in our minds, not understanding what God was talking about, not understanding that God was talking about an eternal thing or his eternal purpose. And we think God's talking about us being able to tell the dog to sit or us being able to tell the shark, don't bite me. We think dominion looks like us commanding the animals to do our bidding. And we never look into what those things are even talking about. You want to know what God's talking about when he said, let us make man in our image? See, we forget the likeness part. That they would have dominion over all the earth, all the creatures in the earth. Well, you find the interpretation of that in Romans where it says, all of creation groans and travail, desiring for the manifestation of the sons of God. Yeah. And so dominion would have looked like if Adam would have eaten from the tree of life. That word dominion means subjugate. That man might subject all of creation and all of earth to the glory of our immortality. That's why it says after our likeness. We're going to make man in our image. And then what we're going to do is we're going to bring forth our life inside of man when man eats from the tree of life. And what that's going to do is it's going to glorify all of creation with immortality. That's dominion. That's what dominion is. The gospel will come and talk about, I've given you power to tread on serpents. Treading on serpents is treading on death. It's treading on corruption. It's treading on lack. It's walking on the water. It's walking above the water when the storm's there. Because you've been glorified with life. That's dominion. And so God was talking about man glorifying creation by eating from the tree of life. So here comes Jesus, the last Adam. And he takes dominion. Do you know how he takes dominion? It wasn't by commanding animals to do what he wanted. It wasn't by telling the sea to stop. That's not how he took dominion. He took dominion by laying down the life he could gain from the world and receiving the life that was in the Father inside of a human body. And what happened was, is now he reconciled the world and all of creation back to God's eternal life. And he's now going to subject all of creation to the life and immortality of God. That's dominion. The fulfillment of creation being subjected to the eternal life of God is going to be on the last day when Jesus comes back and we're glorified with immortality. Creation is desiring for us to take dominion. The dominion they're desiring for us to take isn't to come and tell them to plow the ground. It isn't for us to come and tell them to sit. The dominion they're desiring for us to take is for this earth to be glorified and for them to be delivered from the vanity that Adam subjected them to when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the dominion they're longing for, right? But we're so lifted up with like superhero stuff, right? We want to be Superman. We want to be Batman. We want to be one of the X-Men. And so we're so lifted up in our minds with a carnal view of dominion and a carnal view of authority that we want to rejoice that we can command things to happen. That's like the least of all of sonship, right? And so even in those things, we have it so backwards and our minds are so filled up with us being able to perform things, right? I mean, Jesus said, 
don't don't rejoice that you can command spirits and demons to come out of people. Don't rejoice that you can perform these miracles and signs and wonders, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Mm -hmm. That's what God was talking about when he said dominion. Let us make man in our image, like us in their design, spirit, soul, and body. And then let us clothe upon them in the glory of immortality. And then that will subject all of creation because we took them from the dust of the ground. That will subject all of creation to the eternity of our life. That's dominion, right? You make it sound so simple. <laughs> I mean, I'm so thankful we have you. No, I mean, we want to come and talk about how what did we lose in the garden? We lost authority. What the heck are we talking about? We lost authority. Listen, man. No, what we lost was immortality. Yeah. That's what we lost. And on every front, we want to mess up the gospel. And we want to mess it up with our lofty thoughts about us wanting to do things, right? Us wanting to make everything straight. Eternal life makes everything straight, right? That's what we lost in the garden was eternal life. That's what all of creation is groaning and travail desiring right now, eternal life. They're not desiring for you to have authority. <laughs> Listen, my little dog is not desiring for me to have authority over it. My little dog is not desiring for me to tell it what to do. I promise you that because today I had to tell it it couldn't get on the bed, right? <laughs> and the reason I had to tell it it couldn't get on the bed, it, Liza, the reason I had to tell her she couldn't get on the bed is because she launches herself off the bed like that. And I watch it in slow motion and her little, <laughs> and she's floating, <laughs> right? And then she's boom, but the, the, she, she's got, she don't have shocks. She's got these little legs and a, a body that's too long. And boy, she hits the ground and it reverberates through her back. And it's not good. She's going to get hurt. She's going to have to have surgery. <laughs> and so, man, she launched off of that bed today. Again, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, there I was taking authority. I moved those <laughs> those steps away from the bed because she can't get up the bed without the steps. Just set a pillow up. Where she gonna no, we, well, you, it's, it's difficult to do that before, you know. I mean, you can't sleep with the pillows there and both of you in the bed with the dogs in the bed. And so there's like a, a moment in space and time where she can get it done, right? And it's like I had I moved the stairs out of the way. She's not on the bed. But Becky's still on the bed. And she is very upset. She is not rejoicing in my authority. That's not what she's looking for. Do you know the dominion she's desiring to be taken? She's desiring for that body that can't handle jumping off of that bed because it's been corrupted with vanity and immortality. She's desiring her little body to be delivered from vanity and weakness and to be glorified with immortality. That's the dominion she's desiring to be taken over the earth, right? The only one who can take that dominion is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, the only one that could take that dominion was the first man, Adam, or the last man, Adam. And so Jesus has taken authority over all of creation in that he laid down the life. He didn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't try to pre preserve his dust body. He didn't try to clothe his own self with life. He called upon the Father. He saw the Father there with him, and he called upon the Father's name. That's how he took dominion. And the whole point there is he's going to subject my little Liza Jane. He's going to subject all of creation to the life he has in himself. <laughs> that was always God's plan with dominion. Man, it's like a elementary, preschool, kindergarten, 
two-year-old interpretation of dominion and authority to make it out to be you being able to command the water or the animals. You're losing sight, right? Go ahead, Maurice. I was just reading this. It says, uh, for he must reign till the till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Yep. The last enemy shall be destroyed as death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put unto him, it manifests that he is expected, which did put all things unto him. Now that's, I don't know, King James, okay? And uh, when all things shall be subdue, subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be subject to him that put all things unto him, that God may be all and in all. So, when, when he puts death to death in finality, as he glorifies his creation in us, all of creation will be subdued, subdued under him, in and through him and us. It's just like the whole world is then going to flourish with light. Yeah. And that is when all of creation is subdued under him. Yeah, and that's dominion. That's dominion. When God talks about dominion in Genesis, that's what he's after. You have to remember, he's creating, and he's thinking of creation. He ain't thinking of, well, I'd really like these guys to be able to name the animals. And I'd really like these guys to be able to tell the animals what to do. That's what I'd really like for them to be able to do. That's not what he was thinking. He was thinking, I would like for these guys to share with me in my life. And in them sharing to me with my life, that my life can subdue all of creation. Right? That's what he was thinking. We want to be thinking like God and not like ourselves. But you did, that, that just encapsulates the whole thing. And what's interesting is when you bring out a little aspect of what the scriptures are actually talking about, you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, this is what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, right, this is what he's saying. Right? I thought I was going to have to be a farmer, you know, in the kingdom to come. I was going to have to work the ground. Uh, and so, listen, we walk in dominion, but let us understand what that dominion looks like right we bind and loose we have the keys to heaven what that means is is we have been braided together with the life that's seated in heavenly places in the body of the lord jesus christ right that's what it means we're one flesh with god through the body of jesus christ and so we have dominion in that we have a sinless life we have a life that's already overcome death so we walk around in this world on top of the serpent that's what it means to tread on serpents we walk in this world having overcome death and we walk around declaring the life that overcomes death we walk around declaring the god who overcomes death we walk around binding death in people's lives binding sin in people's lives Finding weakness in people's lives by declaring an indestructible life. That there's an administration, right? And the administration that God has put into the earth or released into the earth is the administration of an indestructible life. And that's how we take dominion. Not by telling the dog what to do. Come on, man. Come on, man. We tread on serpents. 
What is the serpent? The serpent is that old dragon, the devil. Well, what is the weapon of the devil's warfare? The death that he brought into the earth. He was a murderer from the beginning. And so the way we take dominion is our lives have now been raised up out of the grave. The gates of hell have been whipped open. Jesus went down into the grave. He took back the keys. He unlocked the life that was in heaven onto all flesh. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have a sinless life now. As Jesus is now, so are we in this world. We have a life that can't be decayed by death. We have a life that dieth no more in that it died unto sin once and overcame sin. It cannot die anymore. That's the life we have now. We take dominion by walking around knowing that death has nothing in us. That's how you take dominion. And you know what? You'll find, you know what you'll find come pouring out of you? Dominion. And you know what dominion looks like? Peace and love and joy. It looks like a life that can't be overcome. It looks like a peace that makes no sense to the world. It looks like a rest that comes upon you. That's dominion. Jesus was taking dominion when he was nailed to the tree. Now, does that look like our carnal view of dominion? Where we're going to tell people what to do? And we're going to command people what to do? He took dominion on the cross. Death had nothing in him. There was a rest in him that couldn't even be moved by death. There was a peace in him that couldn't be moved by death. There was a joy in him that couldn't be moved by death. There was a love in him that couldn't be moved by death. He was treading on serpents. He was subjecting all of creation unto his life. He was taking the death that reigned over creation into himself that he could swallow it from the inside out and subject creation to his life. That's dominion. That's dominion. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about how we can be superheroes. I promise you, listen, um, we might be able to skip across the Atlantic Ocean. We, we might be able to do that. But I promise you, when we're in the new earth, we're going to innocently be skipping over the Atlantic. We ain't going to be rejoicing that we can skip over the Atlantic. We're going to be rejoicing that we've been glorified with immortality. <laughs> I didn't know what that verse all in all really meant until just now. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that was powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about the fact that right now, well, before Jesus came as a man, death permeated everything. And the gospel is, part of the gospel is the flip side is that, de that the life's going to permeate everything. Yes. Yes. I didn't, yeah. man, that's really... Which is what he was busy doing to begin with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we extract dominion out of God's eternal purpose, out of Christ, and we make it into something it's not, right? And then we send people out telling them they must take authority. Mm. <laughs> and do you know what? We send them out built on not a rock, but a shifting sand. Well, first you take authority over your, your wife. Then you take authority <laughs> over your kids. No, this is what we're... Y'all, yeah. yeah. you've heard this before. Then you take authority over your kids. Then you take authority over your finances. How you do yeah. that? You got to tithe. Yeah, it's all formulaic. Yeah. <laughs> then you really got it all screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, another witch can bring you out of the grave. <laughs> no. No. The litmus test can it bring you out of the grave? No. That's right. That's that's right. But think about how many people are absolutely disillusioned right now who live in Florida. Who've been raised up under that principle of you taking your authority, you work figuring out these spiritual laws and learning how to enact them in yourself. And they stand up there and they try to take authority over this hurricane, which just comes and eats their lunch. And they're sitting there like, what the crap? 
Yeah. So it's kind of but yet their emotion is so tied into that that they'll still keep chasing the carrot even though they didn't because they're going to walk away from that saying, well, I didn't have enough faith. Mm. Mm. Which, so, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. This is why Paul would say, he therefore that, that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Because when light came forth, there were laws that were put into place, but they came forth from that. But he that works miracles among you, he's not doing it by trying to work some law. I mean, you've got people that dig into this and even try to figure out the quantum physics and miracles. Because if we can figure this out, then we can do it. We can be like God without God. Yeah, it was like the magician who wanted to buy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so now, but Paul says, or by the hearing of the faith. It's through the hearing of the faith and having a mind filled with God's ability. Not your ability to manipulate some kind of an outcome. Yeah. Anything short of this is religion. Yeah. Merely religion of every kind. Yeah. And not religion in the sense that it's used in the scriptures, but religion in the right. sense of what it's become in our modern world. Right. Because the, there is a pure religion, right, that is not like what we see in this modern world. Undefiled. Religion, is, that word's become a cuss word, right, Billy? I yeah. mean, because oh, of yeah. what it's become, right? <laughs> it's like a cuss word. We use that to talk about sin now, yeah. right? Yeah. Religious. <laughs> it's like a sin. Same thing with the law. <laughs> Same thing with the law, yeah. Does that make sense about the dominion? Oh, perfect. Oh, yes. right? we, I don't say what I say to upset people. I say what I say because, man. To set people free. To set people mm -hmm. free and so that they can actually tread on serpents. By walk, you tread on serpents by walking in the newness of life, which means <clears throat> your walk has become different than it was before because now you're walking in the light of an incorruptible life, Ooh. right? That's what it means to walk in the newness of life. There's a newness. There's a swagger you get, right? There's like, you guys forgive me, none of you are really my age. There's like, oh, Ronnie is. There's like a pimp limp right that we would talk about where you walked like you were cool you know what i'm saying that's there's a swagger that comes upon you when you're walking in the light of an incorruptible life when that's what your steps are ordered by the lord that doesn't mean the lord says go there and you obey you might find a desire to go somewhere out of you god you and god coming together and saying let us but your steps being ordered by the Lord means that he animates your thoughts, your spirit, soul, and body with eternal life. And eternal life leads you around, yeah. right? You're walking around <coughs> in the earth in the power of an indestructible life, under the reign of an indestructible life, under the administration of an indestructible life. We talk about the government, right? And this administration, right? We have a current administration, Right, And we're under that administration. And some people don't like being under the current administration. Well, guess what? A whole Half the people didn't like being under the previous administration. Right? And you know why you don't like being under any of the administrations? Because what you're looking for is the administration of life. Right? And nothing of this world, no governments of this world, can administer to you the life that you want. So no matter how perfect the government can get, no matter how perfect the system can get, you're always going to find fault with it. And you're always going to complain about it. And you're always going to fight about it and have strife filled with it. We're looking for the administration of an indestructible life. That's the ministry of God. That's why it says the government is upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Because there's an indestructible life in him. 
right? That's the government that we're looking to. That's the administration we're under. And when you see you're under the reign of an indestructible life, which means God is all the time just infusing you, infusing you with himself. Listen, man, that will order your steps. You know what I think about sometimes is like when he said, go and take, in Genesis, he said, go and take dominion over the whole earth. That when he said that, he really didn't fail in what he said. We look, we look at what happened in the fall, and we say, well, he failed. You know, he told them to go do it, and, and they didn't go do it, and it's just everything's all screwed up now. But the reality is, it's interesting that when he said, go take dominion over the whole earth, there was a fall, and there was a law given in Moses, and there were the Psalms and the prophets and the apostles, and Jesus came, and Jesus did what he did to cause us to have that life. And, and now, God is revealing in his church the reality that what he said in Genesis chapter 1, where he says, go take dominion over the earth, that that is actually taking place. It's actually coming to fruition. But it's coming to fruition the way he caused it to come into fruition. All of human history is going to prove that God is capable of taking dominion over the whole earth, yeah. and he's going to reveal it in and through us. That's a privileged place to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the tending of the garden, and that wasn't to pick weeds. Right. Uh, literally. If you could say fitter, figuratively, because you could say the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a weed. Right, and it possessed a poisonous seed or a poisonous fruit in it, which is death. And the way Adam would have tended the garden, which is the equivalency of taking dominion, is he would have eaten from the tree of life and not eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That would have plucked the weed that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil out of the earth. Dominion would have been taken, right? But God, like Maurice just said, God can't fail. Christ cannot be overcome. Christ is not plan B, right? And what's so awesome about Christ is even should something come in to try to subvert plan A, which is Christ, Christ is so much, he can even swallow that up and still bring about plan A. I mean, even the devil who tried to take himself outside of Christ still declared Christ because do you know what the devil declares? You can only have life by Christ. (laughs) Even in him rejecting the Christ, His rejection of the Christ still declares you can't have life in yourself. You can only have life in Christ. And so he's still declaring the Christ in all of his debauchery, all of his wickedness. It still declares there's one immortal. There's one person who can have life. It's God. Because the more you enlist the serpent system, the more you find destruction. Right? And that declares to you that you cannot find life by your own strength. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, his word, Isaiah says, I mean, we talk about God. We have one God, the Lord our God, right? But then we talk about God, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? And, and we, I don't think we get confused here, but I think there's a lot of confusion in the world, right, with that concept. And then you get all types of really bad doctrines, right, where you say Jesus isn't God or the Holy Spirit isn't God. There's only the Father that's God, right? And and you 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 have a bunch of like, sections of Christianity that branch off based on that. But the Father, Son, and Spirit, the way the Father, Son, and Spirit are one God, 
is that just like you see me sitting here, I'm one Greg. How many Gregs do you see sitting here? One. One. Well, guess what? I'm talking. That's also Greg. My word is also Greg. And when I breathe and when I talk, there's breath that comes out of my mouth. Guess what? That's also Greg. But here I am, one. And so God is the same kind of a way. God talks. His word is still him. When he talks, when he breathes, his breath is still him, right? One God, but there's three portions of him. Now listen, God's word can take form. It can take shape. And it did. It took on human form. His spirit can take shape. It can take form. And it did. It take on human form inside of us. But listen, man, when Isaiah talks about uh, my word will not return unto me void, you could easily say Jesus will not come back unto me void, right? And it's just like that verse he quoted yep. where all things will be subdued. And that the, the, the son will be subjected to the father. That's talking about his word returning to him. That's what it's talking about. He released his word to do something. His word has done something. And Paul is talking about when the word has subdued all of creation to eternal life, that word will return back to the father. And the father will be all in yes. all. And ultimately what we'll see is the Lord Jesus Christ is the father in the flesh. Yep. Mm. Right? Mm. And we'll touch him. And we'll handle him. And we'll hear him. And we'll find ourselves looking at John when John said that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have handled, which we have touched of the word of life. We'll participate with him in that thing. Imagine John and those guys handling everlasting father. Imagine handling everlasting father. I mean, you wonder why those guys were sent out with the reckless abandon. Right? They... Saw yeah. everlasting father and changed. Right? And that, that's really where the power of everything comes in. Seeing the father with you. In its simplest form, that's all you need. Everything comes out of that. That's it. That's all you need. It's not some complicated thing you need. You don't need to understand all these things I just talked about. Right? Because if you see the father with you, always in your midst, always there loving your life, always there to give your life the care that it needs always there to serve you with the peace and the love and the comfort and the strength and the rest you need, what you'll find is you'll find yourself always looking to him in the midst of every situation in life. And I promise you, if you're looking to him in every situation of life, you don't even need to know nothing about dominion. You'll find dominion born in you because you'll find rest and peace and love and joy born in you everywhere you go. Yeah. And that's the power of the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, when Jesus cried out, Abba, it wasn't just like some cool point in a movie where we could all cry. It wasn't just like, wow, that was moving. It is moving. But there's a deeper reason why it's moving in our lives. There's a deeper, deeper reason why it pricks us. It's declaring something about the faith. It's declaring what God is trying to bring forth in us. The only way God can bring something forth in us is if he first brings it forth in human flesh. That's how he sends out a spirit that can do the same thing inside of us. And so when Jesus cried out, Abba, I mean, why do you cry out somebody's name? You only cry out somebody's name if you see them there. You're not crying out to an invisible person. In fact, we think people are crazy when we see them talking to themselves or talking to someone that isn't there. When Jesus cried out, Abba, he wasn't crying out to an invisible person. He saw him. He saw him. He saw Abba there with him in the midst of his affliction. 
like Stephen saw the Son of Man. Just like Stephen saw the Son of Man. And in seeing the Son of Man, exactly, and that's what John would come and say, and we have fellowship with the Son, and through the Son, truly, we have fellowship with the Father. Yeah, he's saying, no, if you know me, you know the Father. That's exactly right. And so, man, the whole point of the gospel, Jesus said he didn't come to speak of himself. But he said he came to reveal the Father and the love in the Father's heart for humanity, right? Well, then he says, I'm going to another. I'm gonna send another one like unto myself, the Holy Spirit. And he will not speak of himself. But he will guide you into whatsoever things were revealed in me. Well, what was revealed in Jesus? The Father. And so what does the Spirit come to do? Reveal the Father to you. And so the whole ministry of Jesus, the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to open your eyes and heal your blindness to where you could see the Father with you always. So in the midst of feeling low, in the midst of feeling bad, in the midst of feeling like your whole world is crumbling around, you don't need your world to stop crumbling. What you need is to see the Father. What you need is in the midst of the crumbling for you to see the Father's with you. Then you will cry out, Abba. What will happen is, is you'll begin looking to Abba in the midst of your world crumbling. And I promise you, out of that great intimacy will come forth what Psalm 23 says, which is, the Lord is with me, shepherding my life. His rod and his staff are comforting me. That means he's hedged me about with his life. I see the Father in his life here with me, hedging me about in the midst of the world, crumbling. Right? And that makes the circumstances irrelevant. That's exactly right. And so we think we need this. We think we need that. We need this. We we need to be set free from gossiping and backbiting and hatred and envying. We got to stop doing those things. We think we got to start doing peace and love and joy. We got to start doing all those things. And we strip the relational aspect of the gospel and the relational aspect of how life comes forth and how we are delivered from death. It's all about just seeing God. Yeah. Right? If you have one prayer, tell God, I, I want to see you with me everywhere i don't care if my stuff goes right anymore i just want to see you because i've actually been persuaded that seeing you is what i need i just i know you sent jesus so my blindness would be healed and i could see you i know you sent the holy spirit so that i could be why do you think the holy spirit's called the comforter he comforts you with the presence of the father do you know what will come when you see the father you'll be comforted you will you will and so if you're struggling if your mind is filled with your struggle, what it just means is you ain't seeing the Father. And all you need is a simple thing. I need to see the Father. And let your mind and your prayer now be filled with that. I need to see the Father. I just need, I know you're here, Lord. Open my eyes. Let me see you. Right? That's it. That's what, that's what Jesus saw all of the time. There's the Father. So there's no food here? We'll just put it in carnal terms because we're in this world. There's no food here? These people are all hungry. Jesus wasn't thinking, I can break the bread and multiply the fishes. Jesus said, the Father's here in our midst. And then we we do make life simple then because we're not looking for reasons or conclusions for circumstances that happen to us. We no longer have to do that. Yeah. That's the Abba. Yeah. Abba is not just this little simple term. It's a powerful, profound thing that Jesus is depicting there because there he is needing strength, comfort, peace, love, joy, rest, deliverance. There he is needing that. You know what we all need? All those things. Mm -hmm. All those things. You know what our problem was when we needed all those things? We didn't see God there. 
We thought he was far. Well, Jesus comes into our life, our death rather, needing all the things we needed. He saw the Father there, right? He cries out, Abba, which contradicted everything because the whole world said the Father wasn't there. And we even grown up in a Christianity in the West that has taught us the Father wasn't there. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> and worms don't cry out, Father, children do. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we were taught, oh, yeah, the worm comes about a fly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You even got that wrong. It should be a caterpillar. Abba! <laughs> I've said this a bunch of times, but I keep I, I can't get off of Father right now. I'm going to preach about Father today from the perspective of not letting sin reign in your mortal body. We're going to preach it from the perspective of Father. And and because that's what it's about. But we get into those verses and we we are technical intellects. We're so smart here in the Western world. We're very smart. We're very wise. And we can read those verses and we can figure out what we're supposed to do. Really, what it's talking about is beholding God with you. Right? That's what it's talking about. But if you want Abba to be blown up, go and read Psalm 22 and 23. If you want to know what's going on in Jesus' heart when he cries out, Abba, go read Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. Because it will give you a magnifying glass into the heart of the Christ when he's on that cross and what he's thinking when he says, Abba. Right? And you have to remember, he sees Abba there. Right? He sees him there. That's why he says, Abba. That's what's going on. And so God poured, God sent Jesus so we could see Abba here. God poured out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Father's Spirit. It is the Father. The Spirit is the Father. The Father is the Spirit. The Son is the Spirit. The Son is the Father. The Father is the Son. The Father is the Spirit. He poured out His Holy Spirit to guide us to the place where you see the Father with you. Amen. That's the whole point. Man, when you feel weak, when you feel like the world is heavy, when you feel like you don't have the strength you need, when you feel like, when you feel like, when you feel like, all you need is to see the Father there with you. And what will happen is, is you won't pretend like you have strength. You won't pretend like you don't feel this. But you'll start telling Father how you feel. Because whenever you see people, you ever notice how you want to tell them how you feel? Mm-hmm. You ever notice that? That's why you don't want to see people sometimes when you don't feel good. Because you want to be isolated so you don't have to tell people how you feel. The first thing Jesus does when he sees Father is he starts telling Father about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy. That's where abundance comes forth. We don't wait for there to be abundance and then feel happy. We don't think that abundance comes forth from first feeling happy. No, abundance comes forth from connecting with the Father when we feel like we're in hell. The whole point of the gospel is to see the Father with you even when you make your bed in death. For you are there with me, Lord, is what the psalmist said. Even should I make my bed in hell, you are the death, the place of the dead, the grave. Well, Jesus' bed was made in death on the cross, wasn't it? Well, he knew the Father was there with him in his midst. And so he sees the Father. Well, when you see somebody and you're under great duress, your duress is coming out, right? And your joy will come out. I mean, I'm in there worshiping the music's on loud. I didn't hear nobody come in. I see Ronnie there. And I'm looking over at him. I'm having this moment with God. And I'm just like, tears pouring down my face. And I'm like, I need it every day. Right? And he's probably thinking, my gosh, what's, what's going on with Greg? But I, there he was. 
And so I was going to share with him what was going on in me. And it was just, yeah. Well, that's what's going, that's what, the father's there. Father! Now, that's intimacy. Out of that intimacy, out of you sharing your heart with the father, guess what the father now going to do to you? Now he's sharing his heart with you. Right? Now, out of two hearts becoming one, guess what comes forth? Abundance. The abundant life. And we see that dynamic in Psalm 22 and 23, don't we? It goes from a guy talking about the hell that is happening to him to a guy saying, the Lord is shepherding my life. I lack nothing. The whole thing changes. Right. He saw the father preparing a table. How can you say you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies if you don't see the father? That's the whole point. And so, man, forget about all the nonsense you're praying about. (laughs) And don't misunderstand me. I'm not indifferent to your hurt. Right? I'm just trying to move away the fog and just pray that you see the Father. Because now you're praying in accordance with the will of God, which is the ministry of Jesus. If you pray in his name, what is to pray in his name? To pray in his name is to pray in the name of the Father or the revelation of the Father or the truth that was revealed about the Father. And so you're praying in accordance with the Godhead. And really what's coming out of your heart is, let us see the Father. <laughs> right? And they're all, let them see the Father. <laughs> right? That They know what we need. They know if we see the Father, sin will not be able to reign in our mortal bodies. And they'll know that we will no longer obey it in its lust. Meaning our hearts will become hardened to the voice of sin. Do you know why our hearts will become hardened to the voice of sin? Because we'll see the Father there. I promise you, sin cannot take you captive to trying to gather peace and love and joy to yourself if you see the Father there with you and his hand opened and stretched forth towards you and you see the peace and the love and the joy you need and the comfort in his hand. Sin cannot convince you that you need to gather those things to yourself. Your heart will even become hardened to the voice of death. That's why Jesus said, Now the hour is coming. Where the serpent, the prince of this world will come to me, but he won't have anything in me. In that same context, he says, the day is coming where everyone will be scattered from me and it will look like I'm alone, but I won't be alone because the father will be there with me. His voice, his heart, it's just like he says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of the stranger they will not hear. Right? And so there's Jesus on the cross. His heart is hardened to the voice of sin, the voice pointing at the death manifesting in his body, telling him the Father isn't here. You're all alone in the cold, heartless little world. Some of you wondering why I've been saying it that way. Man, when we were in junior high, we used to say that. My friends and I, all alone in the cold, heartless little world. I just want to be loved. Is that so long? Right? And then we'd all say, sweet Jesus. <laughs> And so there's Jesus, man. The voice of sin, that's the stranger. The voice of the stranger is death. It points at death and it says, where's your God now? Is he really your father? I don't think so. Where is he? Right? Death tries to blind you to the presence of the father. Because if it can blind you to the presence of the father, do you know what it's going to do? It's going to fill your heart with a lusting after peace yourself. Mm. Then you become in bondage or a servant to the flesh. 
right? Where you're all the time looking to that flesh and living by that flesh to try to gather the fruit of the Spirit to yourself. <coughs> right? We well, you know how all that's healed? It's not healed by you deciding, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not healed that way. It's healed by you seeing the Father. That's why Jesus said, when they, when they come and, and talk to him about the Sabbath and how they were working on the Sabbath, and Jesus said, when I look into the Sabbath, I see the Father does work. <laughs> when you see the Father with you, working life in you, when you see the Father with you, having done a work to conquer death in the flesh, doing a work to overcome the fear of death in your heart, and that he shall do a work to even glorify your body with immortality, when you see the Father does work, do you know what happens? Your members become mortified. The deeds of the body become put to death. And it says that uh, perfect love casts out all fear. There's nothing that you can do to cast fear out of yourself. You ever been in real fear? Yeah. There's nothing you can do in your own ability to get rid of that fear. That's right. Maybe you try to avoid the circumstances. Like I wouldn't go on a roller coaster because I'm scared of heights, right? I might avoid circumstances of life that trigger fear in me, but I don't have the ability to get the fear out of me. But God gets the fear out of you how? by putting his love in you. Yeah, by showing you himself. Yeah, It's like show and tell. <clears throat> you see him there, and fear fear cannot abide the presence of everlasting Father. Yep, it can't abide the presence of the Lord Jesus. And that's what you need, right? Like our friend Jeff Brandon would say, and that you guys say, I don't know who said it first, you or him or someone else. Can we invite Jesus into this place with you? Sometimes we can feel like that's a flippant answer. But honestly, that's what we need in that place, is to see everlasting Father in our midst. Because just like the demons came out of people when Jesus just walked by, the spirit of fear will come out of you when you see everlasting Father in your midst. Glory to God. I got to go. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.